Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, one and all. I'm Robert Rogers, your host of the Parkinson's Recovery Radio Network. It is the day before Thanksgiving 2012. For those of you who are not individuals who live in the United States, Thanksgiving is a time when everybody sits around a table with family and friends and eats much, much too much food, and usually food they're not supposed to eat. Count me in. That's my plan for tomorrow. I also, though, want to give thanks on this day before Thanksgiving to the remarkable individuals who I've had as guests on my radio show who will also be participating in the 2013 Parkinson's Recovery Summit. We're convening next year in Santa Fe, New Mexico, February 21st, 22nd, 23rd, and 24th. I want to give thanks for many reasons. These individuals are remarkable in every respect. They are making profound discoveries that are helping individuals who currently experience the symptoms of Parkinson's to reverse those symptoms. I want to go down the list by way of really giving thanks to each individual for their willingness to travel long distances to the Santa Fe Summit in New Mexico, and that's in the USA. Physical therapist Kevin Lockett is coming from Hawaii. Robert Bonham, who will be talking about heart math, is coming from Tennessee. John O'Dwyer, who will be presenting some fascinating information about the emotion code, is traveling from Mississippi. Randy Eady, otherwise internationally known as the Foot Whisperer, will be traveling from the state of Florida. Adrian Geiger is coming to the 2013 summit from Switzerland. He's the inventor of the Geiger MD, a particular piece of technology that's actually unknown in this country at this time and will be really introduced at the summit. Ed Gray, physical therapist from Florida, will also be attending and participating in the workshop. Suzanne Jonas from Tennessee, who's now also internationally famous for creating her music medicine CDs, and research has actually shown her particular work as having compelling influence on helping individuals reverse the symptoms that they currently experience. Joe Rosen, the CEO of the Parkinson Resource Organization, who's an expert in many, many different areas that relate to Parkinson's, but in particular, Joe Rosen is really the international expert on TMJ and how that is affecting people profoundly and how adjustments to TMJ are helping people reverse their own symptoms. Holly Hughes from Chicago, Illinois, will be giving everyone her insights on self-meditation and explaining how that's helped her reverse her own symptoms. Bianca Molay who has become symptom-free as a result of doing Qigong, of all things, will be at the summit, as will her master teacher. will also be there, Ming Tong Gu from San Francisco. Peter Doyle, who is an individual who is an expert on Chinese scalp acupuncture that's helping people reverse the symptoms of Parkinson's, is coming from the Big Apple, New York City. And there is, of course, myself, Robert Rogers. I'm traveling down to Santa Fe from Olympia, Washington. Judith Lynn from Portland, Oregon, who is the developer and the creative of vocal energetics, something that she uses to address and find profound relief from her own symptoms, will also be traveling from Oregon down to Santa Fe, New Mexico. Marlene Lindstrom from Washington, who's otherwise known as Lexi, as an individual who will be coming to tell us all about low-dose no-traction, which has helped her be able to find incredible relief from her symptoms. Sherry Edwards, internationally known for her development of bioacoustics, is having a remarkable impact on persons with Parkinson's. She'll be there in person, live with her staff, helping individuals get their voice profiles done and their diagnostics done so that you get some sense of where you're at in terms of what might be the causes of the symptoms you currently experience. Jacqueline Gisburn from Colorado. 
Oh, by the way, Sherry's coming from Ohio. Jacqueline Gisburn is coming from Colorado, and she is developing some cutting-edge technology on neurofeedback that's helping people reverse their symptoms and become symptom-free. Gord Sumner, who is the really the person who is spearheading the work that he has done, which is in, basically on the power of the mind. Gord uses the power of his own mind to get relief from his own symptoms. Kristen Harper, an associate of Dr. Lawrence Wilson, will be providing nutritional balancing for individuals at the summit. They use that approach to be able to help people reverse their symptoms. John Bowman and Bernadette Bowman both will be participating in the workshop. John is internationally known as a motivational speaker who has found incredible ways to get relief from his own symptoms, and they will be presenting a workshop on deciding success. It's a remarkable lineup. We have a number of other individuals who will not actually be presenting workshops but will be present at the summit and available to provide individual treatments or consultations of one type or another. So we're going to have many, many different modalities present. The reason that I actually subsidize the summit for people is because it's one time, it's one place that you can find information about the many options that are helping people reverse their symptoms. Quite frankly, it's a bit overwhelming. There are so many choices. Which ones are going to work for you? Well, the place to find out is the Parkinson's Recovery Summit. And this year, it's going to be in Santa Fe, New Mexico, February 21st, 22nd, 23rd, 24th. You can get more information about the summit by going to our main website, which is www.parkinsonsrecovery.com. You'll see a link to the summit as well as all of the other mini websites that I support on the main website. Just click on the picture and you'll be taken to the summit website. Be sure to listen to all the clips of the individuals who will be presenting workshops and offering individual sessions for people. It's a good idea to make your reservations in advance with individuals because there's a good chance that people are going to be booked up before they even land on their doorsteps of the historic La Fonda Hotel in downtown Santa Fe, New Mexico. Before I move to presenting the remarkable show that I have for you today, I want to first play a clip of one of the individuals who will be presenting a workshop and presenting a remarkable technology that I mentioned earlier, the Geiger MD physical therapist, Ed Gray. Ed, you're going to be at the Parkinson's Recovery Summit in Santa Fe, New Mexico, and at the reception Thursday evening, you're going to present something special to those who actually attend the reception. What is that going to be? Well, this is the most exciting part. I've gone out. We're bringing in some cutting-edge technology from Switzerland. Uh, right now, we're the only facilities in the United States that are using this cutting-edge technology is called the Geiger MD. And the Geiger MD is just phenomenal in the way it's getting people to start moving without any effort at all. We're reprogramming the brain. We're reprogramming the movement centers of the brain without you even knowing you're doing it. As a matter of fact, you get to watch a movie while you're doing this. So no work, no effort, and guess what? You're going to feel a lot better about yourself. When a person walks into the reception, then they'll have an opportunity to actually see this machine? Not only will you actually be able to see the device, you'll get to touch it, you'll get to feel it, but here's the best part, you'll get to use it. And not only that, you're allowed to use it more than one time. And we'll be able to record the information, you'll get to see even in a, in a day or two, or three days, the little bit of progress. You will instantaneously Feel progress, not only in the posture, but in the way that you move, and, and even your overall feeling is of, of uh, wellness after you get off the device. So we got recorded feedback as well as physical feedback and, and feeling about how good it is yourself. So it's, it's just wonderful to be able to do this. So being able to touch it, ride it, feel it, use it, and that's the best. When people then come to the reception, they don't 
necessarily just have to look forward to drinking coffee and hot tea and meeting other people. They can actually experience what it means to be on this new, incredibly inventive equipment called the Geiger MD, right? Right, exactly. It's uh, it, Listen, the only way to experience anything is to be totally interactive with it. You know, it, you don't go buy a car without driving it. You have to get in and you drive the car around. This is exactly the same way. You know what? The proof is in the pudding. All you have to do is try it, and 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 you're going to love it. Now, uh, this particular machine is something that people could put in their hip pocket and bring home at the end of the summit. Not exactly. <laughs> this is a you know this is a specialized device. I mean, it it you do have to have you know there are a lot of training involved in using it. So it is specialized. It's a very u- unique device. And again, like I said, right now in the United States, we're the only ones using the device, and we're looking to expand, of course, the use of it. The cost of it is extremely high, but it's it's the uniqueness of this device that's out there. It's there. It's it's great, but you know, it's not something you can just stick in your pocket and take home with you. It looks to me like from the pictures that I've seen of this that instead of looking like uh, riding a bicycle, a person is actually upside down. They're laying on their, you know what the best part about this? They're laying on their back. And what it does is when you're laying on your back, it's reciprocally, in other words, alternating moving the arms and the legs, like you are riding a bicycle for your arms and your legs upside, you know, on your back. When that happens, it, takes, it eliminates gravity. So, you know, you're, you're the gravity part of it's eliminated off your back. It opens up the neurochannels and the neuropathways up and down the spine into the brain. Then they're watching a screen, which is providing neurofeedback at the very same time and about how smooth they're pedaling, whether it's forwards, backwards, uh, the amount of joules that's being put into it, the amount of newtons that's going into it. So a lot of this in terms of insurance reimbursement, in terms of for the client uh, feedback as well is that there is recorded functional outcomes. In other words, we can actually get these outcomes and see them firsthand and then relate it right into function, which is how fast you walk, how you bend over, how you get dressed, all those things. So just to be clear for everyone listening to that discussion, the idea is obviously not to be selling the Geiger MD machines to individuals who are participating in the summit. That's not what that's about. The idea would be that it will be introduced to physical therapists who have clinics and that they might then be interested in actually acquiring those and making those available to their patients. Be sure to let your, your physical therapist know that the machine will be down there. They'll be able to see it, experience it, see other people using it to see whether or not that might be something suitable for their own particular clinic. About four years ago, I landed on a quite interesting idea. The idea was that using the Wii video machine might provide individuals who currently experience symptoms of Parkinson's to get profound relief from those symptoms. I actually wrote and corresponded with the company that makes the Wii, the Sony Corporation, and I asked them if they might be interested in making available a set of those machines so that I could do a little mini-study. By that I mean I was planning on really going out to my audience, that is you, my listeners, and saying, who's interested? And we were going to be taking some pretest information, then asking you to use the Wii three times a week for about four weeks, and then doing some post-test assessments to see if, in fact, it would result in positive outcomes for the study subjects. The company came back and said, no, they weren't interested in supporting that particular research project at this time. I was very disappointed, but there wasn't much I could do about that. What I'm about to do now is something quite exciting. Well, I couldn't pull this off. Dr. Ben Hurst has. He's from the Georgia Medical Center in Augusta, Georgia. What you're now going to hear is an exciting report about not only his research, but what he has discovered about what happens when persons with Parkinson's symptoms actually use the Wii for a modest 20, 30, 40 minutes, three times a week. Here's Dr. Hertz. 
My guest today is Dr. Ben Hurst, who is Associate Professor and Program Director of the Georgia Health Sciences University, the College of Allied Health Sciences, Department of Occupational Therapy in Augusta, Georgia. Dr. Hertz, thank you so much for being with us on the show today. Well, thank you for having me. I do appreciate it. Tell us all about yourself. Okay. Well, uh, I've been an occupational therapist for about uh, 30-plus years. Uh, I started out um, going into the military and uh, becoming an assistant, and then moved on and got my degrees uh, after I left the military and um, uh, started teaching 12 years ago uh, in a program. And um, currently, as you said, I'm an associate professor and program director here at uh, Georgia Health Sciences University. Um, My um, specific areas of expertise have been enhanced ergonomics and work injury as well as degenerative diseases and I've been doing degenerative diseases since uh, since I got here uh, eight and a half years ago um, now I've worked with other people before that but uh, specifically going into degenerative diseases such as ALS and Parkinson's I've been working now for uh, in those clinics here at the at the, the school uh, for uh, for the eight and a half years so it's been a rather rewarding experience for me uh, as we go forward, so um, and that's and that's actually where I started uh, to do research uh, in the Parkinson's group. Well, you've got listeners' attention since you've begun to mention Parkinson's disease. Clearly, our audience are individuals who are interested in anything they can do to get relief from their symptoms. Your research focuses on video gaming, and in particular a video game called Wii, W-I-I. Some listeners have heard of that and some haven't. What in the world is the Wii? Okay. Well, you know, the Wii is a, uh, it's a video game, okay? And we can, we can somewhat classify it as a virtual environment uh, when you look at it. It is a, it is a, it's, you know, I'll give you an example. I, uh, when I started doing um, research, I started with OT and and Parkinson's disease, and uh, we used the Wii, which was the new video gaming system that came out in 2006, where you actually did full motion, where you played tennis. You actually swung the Wii mote in order to be able to play tennis or baseball or whatever it was that you were going to do. Uh, to, sim- to simulate what happens on the screen, you did it in a um, uh, closed environment. And I had one lady who said, oh my gosh, you're going to have me play a game? This is ridiculous. Well. By the time we finished that, um, which actually spurred me to go on and do this other research, um, she went out and had to buy a Wii because she was walking with assistance when she came in. When she left, she was independently ambulating without her husband holding on to her and had improved significantly. But the gaming system themselves is basically, if you have an interest, um, you can pretty much find anything uh, in their in their catalog uh, to work to work with. So if you have an interest in fishing, there's actually a fishing program where you where you uh, cast out the line. You're in a boat and you cast out the line using using the Wii uh, Then you uh, set the hook on the fish. When the fish bites it, you pull back, and then you do the motions that you need in order to reel the fish in. The same thing is true of the sports programs that they have, like boxing, bowling, uh, tennis. You actually play the sport, uh, and your movements are mimicked on the screen uh, through an avatar. Now, an avatar can be a its a representative of you, uh, and you can actually make the avatar however you want to. You can make them uh, heavy. You can make them thin. You can make them with a beard, with a mustache, uh, where they look like you as the individual so that you're playing that. And the reason they have an avatar uh, is so that they can keep track of how well you're playing because the game actually increases its difficulty as you increase your skill level. Okay. Now, uh, when we talk about the video gaming, it's it, as I was saying, it's a virtual environment. You can go out and play golf on the golf course with this in your own house. You can drive a car in this in your own house. You can actually do surgery. I had a uh, veterinarian in my my very very first study that um, 
needed to needed to do some fine motor things. So I got a, a game that actually had surgery in it, where you're using bilateral movements and had to do specific motions like you would in surgery, uh, those kinds of things in order to help uh, refine and help his skills uh, be maintained. So, you know, any number of different things are out there. It's just a question of where your interest lies and what you want to do. But, you know, everybody thinks of gaming, you know, as fun and exciting. Well, that adds another level of motivation to individuals because what happens is they can score better, there's a result associated with it, and it's fun, let alone the fact that, you know, uh, grandparents can play with their grandkids, parents can play with their kids, you know, it's just a whole family that can get involved in all of these different types of games, and they can be extremely beneficial uh, to to the um, to the clients. The range of possibilities sounds truly exciting. Some listeners have played basketball and football when they were in high school or college. Do they have basketball or football as an option? Actually, they do. Um, you know, they have they have basketball where you actually. Uh, hold the Wiimote and then you put your arms up and you do the same motions that you would for basketball and you can hit it off the backboard or get a swish depending on where it is. There are accelerometers in the Wiimote that you do, that you hold uh, and do this uh, and it mimics, again, it mimics the uh, movement that you have uh, that you're doing right on the screen. So you have to do that movement. Okay. Uh, same thing is true of the football. Same thing is true of, of um, they have soccer. They have um, various different, like I said, they have various different games. I mean, I can look up in my closet here. There's a, even a cooking program where you can crack an egg. Okay. And when you when you don't crack it hard enough, it doesn't it, it doesn't crack. If you crack it too hard, it cracks on the table. But if you crack it just right, there's a crack that's in the egg, and then you push a button, and it puts it in the uh, puts it in the um, bowl. Okay, and then you have a mixer, and you have to mix it with your hands, and you have to mimic that motion that you would do with a mix with the mixing, and you have to get to a certain point. You have to get to a certain speed and make sure that it gets all frothy and everything else, uh, as far as that goes. So, it's a really uh, interesting um, way of looking at rehabilitation. Uh, and what it can do and how it can do things. You know, you got sequencing, you got problem solving, you've got fine motor movements, you have uh, visual perceptual things like you have to fill up a cup or fill up a pot with water and you have to stop at a specific level. You've got depth perception issues. You've got reaction times that you can work on. So there's a significant number of uh, opportunities for people to work work with. Now, what I, you know, so... So, you know, it could be uh, utilized all over. And I think a lot of, uh, a lot of long-term care facilities, a lot of hospitals uh, have started to adopt video games. There's a couple of different types. There's the Wii, which was the uh, forefather for um, the Sony Move. Okay, but even the forefather before that was an iToy that Sony had for the PlayStation 2. But um, now we have a Kinect. And the Kinect is actually full motion. You have to have all four extremities to be able to utilize it, uh, but there is no controller. Basically, you yourself are the controller. Now, the Kinect is coming out uh, later this year, I think, with a, uh, a new one that will attach to the PC and will actually recognize sitting because it doesn't recognize sitting um, in the original Kinect, whereas the Wii, you can sit down and play these games, which is really nice. Uh, from my standpoint, because if I have a Parkinson's patient who has a balance difficulty uh, and we want to work on balance, they don't necessarily have to stand the whole time. We can we can do it in uh, increments and, and gauge it that way, and they can sit down and play the games as well. So, you know, so there's a lot of versatility and there's a lot of different things that go along with the video gaming that's going on. Uh, and I like to use off-the-shelf games because I think everybody wants to play those games that everybody else plays as opposed to something that may have been specifically um, made for Parkinson's or made for ALS or made for uh, head injury or things like that. So I utilize uh, those games that are off the shelf. What I understand you're to be saying then is a person who might have speculated, oh, it's so sad 
now that I have these neurological challenges, I'll never be able to play football again or basketball again like I loved to play when I was younger, has no excuse. They can actually do both of those things if they so choose. Absolutely, and they can do it in a safe environment in their home. Why did you decide to look at this as a research project? Well, you know, it was real interesting because I decided to do OT and PD to see, you know, how OT treatment really affected Parkinson's disease and if there was really value to it. And I actually got okay results with that. I don't know that I got anything that was really um, statistically significant, but there was clinical significance in the sense of uh, the patient saying that they felt better. There was, you know, they had better movement, you know, uh, there were, I demonstrated a little bit of increase in quality of life, those kinds of things, and it was very helpful. And one of the tools that I used was the Wii. Uh, we used it as a warm-up, or we used it as a specific modality where they did things uh, and that kind of thing. So I sort of got, you know, a little excited about that when I saw it. So I decided to make the Wii as a standalone intervention, and I did a variety of pre-tests and post-tests associated with it uh, prior to them doing the Wii three times a week for four weeks uh, for anywhere from 45 minutes to an hour. Now, what I had them do was the Wii Sports Program, and the Wii Sports Program includes bowling, boxing, tennis, um, bowling, boxing, tennis, baseball, and golf. Okay. Now, what I what I elicited from them is primarily I had them play uh, two games of tennis, uh, three out of five. I had them play um, two games of bowling, and then one game of boxing. And I'll be honest with you, you do boxing one time with this thing, and you're going, <laughs> because, you know, you're really getting you're getting a workout. Oh. You really are getting a workout. So um, so I designed it in that way um, based on the results that I had the first time of people saying, hey, you know, this is, you know, I'm feeling better. These are the things that I'm doing. So I wanted to really isolate that and say, okay, this is the reason. Um, so, that, so that's what I went ahead and did. Uh, and where it started, because you know, I started. I I work in uh, movement disorders here at GHSU, and uh, they are one of the the centers for excellence uh, here in the United States. I think it's one of 22. And the docs and I got together, and we uh, I had this idea, and they said, "Yeah, this is great. You know, why don't we try it?" So we did that, uh, and the results were were somewhat surprising and for me phenomenal. But, you know, going back to it, though, you know, it also, like I said, it allows for portability. It allows for a safe environment. Uh, it allows people to do what they want to do, uh, even if they had an injury or illness, because we can modify it if we need to. We'll be right back with Ben Hurst after this short station break. I'm your host, Robert Rogers, from Parkinson's Recovery, and this is the Parkinson's Recovery Radio Network. I have two suggestions for you to consider before we return to Dr. Ben Hertz. The first suggestion is to consider purchasing for the entire family a Wii system. Obviously, Dr. Hertz and I have nothing to do with the Sony Corporation or with the Wii, but having listened to his discussion of the Wii and learning more about the incredible results that he was actually able to get in his mini-study using 20 subjects, it seems to me that it's something you can purchase here over the holiday season for the entire family. The kids will love it. And anybody who might happen to currently experience the symptoms of Parkinson's will, according to Dr. Hertz's results, see immediate and profound results. Seems to me it's just a good idea, something that you really could consider as a gift for the entire family. Because this is the day before Thanksgiving, I do know that Black Friday is coming up, so it might be a good time to go around, do a little shopping, do some investigation of what these Wii's are like, and make a choice. Take it home and see what you think. I have a second suggestion for you to consider on, again, this day before Thanksgiving. That suggestion is to attend the Parkinson's Recovery Summit. You ask, why should I do that? Why should I travel a long distance to attend another conference? This is not just another conference. I receive calls from people all the time, and the question turns on something like this. 
Has there really ever been anyone who has successfully reversed the symptoms of Parkinson's disease? I thought that perhaps I'd heard on the Internet there might have been one person. Is that really true? I'm here to tell you there's not just one. There are many individuals who have succeeded with doing just that. You don't get a chance just to hear their stories on my radio show. You can actually listen to them discuss how it was that they accomplished this incredible feat in the workshops that they will be presenting. You can talk face-to-face. You can get not only information from the presenters, but you will soon discover that by coming to the Parkinson's Recovery Summit, you will be shoulder-to-shoulder with many other individuals. They're not giving workshops, but they, too, have succeeded in reversing their symptoms. Is there any magic formula? No. Is there only any one way to do it? No. Are we promoting any particular program? No. That's not the purpose of the Parkinson's Recovery Summit. Our whole purpose is to convene together a community of individuals who are making it possible to reverse symptoms that are associated with a current diagnosis of Parkinson's disease. One of the individuals who will be presenting a workshop is Dr. Jacqueline Gisburn. I've known Dr. Gisburn now for about four years. Her work, her research on neurofeedback is remarkable as it affects Parkinson's disease. She is making incredible discoveries, and she'll be talking about those discoveries in her workshop, as well as offering individual sessions to individuals, especially those who are making appointments in advance. I'm sure she'll be full by the time she gets to the summit. Dr. Jacqueline Gisburn is having a profound impact on many, many individuals who had advanced stages and now are literally symptom-free. I have a short clip of Jacqueline Gisburn so you can get a sense of connecting with this remarkable research. Jacqueline, tell us all about your Santa Fe presentation. Well, the Santa Fe presentation will be the first of several um, that we will be doing because we have found some new research and we've made some new discoveries and we really are looking at needing to develop a new paradigm for how to uh, address Parkinson's. So we will be presenting some of that data and the rationale for how we're going forward so that we can open the door to new insights and discoveries from the larger research community. And we'll present that and give you an idea of what it is we're doing and how it's different and how a person can go forward toward a recovery state. So those things will be presented and uh, we'll just be um, speaking to people. We will probably be interviewing people to ask if their their life sequences and the other things that we've uh, covered it fall in line with what our data is beginning to tell us. So we'll have some things so that there's a lot of interaction in the workshop. I understand that you are going to make beta resets available to a limited number of individuals at the summit. Well, that that's true. We will have, uh, I will be coming and my colleague Jenna Har will be with me and we uh, said we would love to be able to make this available so we are looking at probably 15 people that we we have uh, we are going to leave a lot of time so that each person gets uh, everything they need but we're looking at 12 to 15 people that we will uh, take and um, let them experience the, the beta reset and some of the modalities that we use to help the body start moving into a recovery state how can people get in touch with you they can call my office at 970-384-2880, and that is the best way because they will give me a, uh, uh, a message that you've called, and then uh, uh, my assistant then will start making a list of everyone, and then we will coordinate and um, uh, fix the schedule when we get to Santa Fe. Jacqueline Gisburn, I so look forward to seeing you again at the Santa Fe Summit in February. I'm looking forward to it also. I just returned from a Parkinson's conference that lasted one day on Saturday. 
the conference consisted of basically three speakers who talked nonstop with no interaction with the audience. There were nonstop PowerPoint presentations as well. I noticed about an hour and a half into the day, about half the audience happened to be sleeping or dozing off. I just want everybody to know that that's not what happens at the Parkinson's Recovery Summit. We don't do the long PowerPoint presentations. We have fun. We are experiential. We provide opportunities for you to become acquainted with the remarkable individuals who have joined this community of individuals on the road to recovery. I can assure you, you will not be disappointed when you come to the 2013 Parkinson's Recovery Summit in Santa Fe. It will be a life-changing experience. And now, I'd like to return to the segment, second segment of my interview with Dr. Ben Hertz, who talks about the remarkable findings that he was able to get from the study he did using the we and individuals who currently experience Parkinson's symptoms. Dr. Hertz, were there any surprises that came from doing this research? Well, actually, <laughs> there really was. I was I was extremely surprised at the uh, the uh, relevance and the clinical significance, not just the clinical significance, but the statistical significance that came from it. Uh, all of my participants, and there were approximately 20 to 22 um, that uh, were involved in the program. A couple people were uh, eliminated for various different reasons, but... Uh, all of them had some form of depression, you know, whether it was low or whether it was high. But was re what was really interesting, the statistical significance basically said that uh, once they did this for four weeks, their depression went away, basically non-existent. And that, to me, was a huge shock. Now, in my first study for OT and PD, I didn't necessarily do the depression, so I didn't really know what to expect. But, you know, having a statistical significance such as I did, um, with that and having it pretty much go to zero for everybody was huge. I mean, that in, that in itself was big. Um, there was an increase in quality of life uh, statistically. All of these results that I'm talking about are statistically significant. Increase in quality of life, and I used the PDQ-39 for that, which is uh, the Parkinson's um, quality of life scale. Uh, the UPDRS, which is the gold standard that most uh, neurologists, that all neurologists uh, that work in movement disorders use, was also significant on the overall uh, that it improved, uh, as well as there was a specific test that I did, which is a timed up and go. And a timed up and go is where you sit down, you walk 10, you get up, walk 10 feet, and go back, turn around and go back and sit back down. And you try and do that as fast as you can. And every single person uh, was able to do it within normal, within a normal limits or whatever the um, whatever the time was that was associated. So everybody improved on that as well. So you know it was pretty phenomenal results as far as that goes. Not to mention, you know, people were saying that you know their symptoms decreased, they felt a lot better, they felt energized. Um, of those of those individuals, I think I went out and bought 19 or 18 uh, Wii's because at the time they were extremely hard to get, and I remember waiting in line, uh, you know, for the clients, and I would go buy them, and then they would reimburse, you know, as far as that goes. Um, and it was kind of funny because they were really hard to get, and I would go uh, talk to people about the Wii and the research that I was doing, and um, they would tell they would tell the uh, people, you don't need he should he should get two instead of one. Because they were limiting how many you could buy at the time. Oh. So, but it was really, it was really funny. It was really funny. But uh, you know, almost every, I think everybody in the study actually went out and bought a Wii after that. Um, and you know, as an aside, one of my uh, clients or one of my participants, um, and I didn't know this until he did an interview with a uh, with another media group. Um, he had uh, the only thing he wanted to do. He was an older gentleman. The only thing he wanted to be able to do was walk his daughter down the aisle. Uh, and he actually attributed his ability to do that without having any problems to my research and what we were doing with him. So, I mean, for me, that was huge. That was absolutely huge. Um, but again, what we, you know, what we showed was fantastic as far as the research, as far as the research went. 
I am genuinely impressed by the richness of your design. You used multiple instruments and got amazing results. The Parkinson's disease uh, PDQ-39 is the same instrument that's used, for those of you who are listening, in the symptom tracker that you can use to track your own system, uh, symptoms mm -hmm. online. Yep. The uh, Unified Disease Parkinson's uh, rating scale uh, was also used. Did participants answer that themselves, or did you have... No, actually, the neurologist did that. I was oh, blinded to the results That's of that. amazing. That's absolutely you know? amazing. Yeah. What a delightful... And then the depression scale, was that a separate scale? That was a separate scale, and we did it in an interview. Um, we used... Um, oh, <laughs> I think it was the Hamilton Depression Inventory. Um is what we use the HAMD, uh -huh. the Hamilton Depression Inventory, is what we used, and we, you know, we administered it, and then um, did a post afterwards. Uh, so what we did was, for we, you know, you we did the pre, which we did all of these tests. I think the nine hole peg test was one. The other tests that I've told you, the Hamilton D, uh, and then um, the UPDRS was done as well. Um, the PDQ, all of, all of these were done pre, and then we did them post right after the four weeks, and then we did them another four weeks later after they stopped the intervention. And, and did the results still hold? The results were actually, we still had positive results. Uh, I think depression went up a little bit, but it was still significant. Uh, I know the timed up and go was still significant, uh, and the quality of life was still significant. So, and the UPDRS, I believe, was. Uh, yeah, I think all four of them were still significant. We're going to have a paper out hopefully soon on that. As a matter of fact, it's finished. It's just we got to send it out. Uh, marvelous. So, so. Well, to lend a little outside perspective for listeners, the results that Dr. Hertz is reporting are truly remarkable. He's really got a relatively speaking small sample size. It's yeah. very difficult to get anything significant when you've got such a small sample, but the results that he's getting are really remarkable. So we're talking about huge effects here for those of you who are contemplating the possibility of getting interested in this. These are, this is not a, a modest effect. Oftentimes when there are studies that look at the interventions of drugs, you have huge sample sizes and very tiny, tiny effects that are significant. This is a result where you've got a small sample size and the actual magnitude of the effect is huge. So I want to say these are remarkable results. And everybody needs to pay attention <laughs> because this is an important study. <laughs> now, Dr. Hertz, how did the participants react to this video game as a tool? You mentioned one person's reaction, but how about the other people in the study? They're like, I, I'm sorry that I'm laughing because it's sort of like, you mean I'm going to play games? <laughs> and I was like, well, it's not just games. Okay, there are reasons that we're doing this, and I, you know, and I would explain this to them. Most of the people um, that I that that participated, I have a relationship with through the movement disorders program and everything that goes on uh, with them. And you know, it was just I, I think there was a certain amount of trust and, and you know a leap of faith uh, in some cases because you know here we are going to play video games for four week, three times a week for four weeks. You know, and see what happens. So, you know, I think, and, you know, and I'll be honest with you, with, with the older population, you know, they're a little bit resistant to technology, uh, whereas uh, some of the younger population, the younger population people are not. But it's, it was really interesting because, you know, there's a learning curve associated with the gaming. And, you know, we were able, I gave, I gave um, the two the two things of tennis, the the two games of bowling and the one game of boxing and you know everybody it took everybody the first week about 45 minutes to finish that but by the time we were done in four weeks it was like 25 25 minutes they were done 30 minutes they were done so i just let them play so you know if they want to play another game of bowling they want to do boxing or they want to do tennis or you know that kind of thing they just did it for the 45 minutes so we had them playing that um Going back to an original question, one of one uh, research done by uh, Dr. Zhang, and I don't know exactly where he's from, uh, demonstrated that video games increase dopamine. So, with the results, um, and I want to I want to just comment also about the results. 
I also think that there was an exercise effect associated with what was going on that, um, you know, video games increase dopamine, exercise and increasing your heart rate increases dopamine. So I think there was a, a, a double whammy there when we, were, when we went in to use this, or, and I didn't realize that until later. So, but it was really kind of neat. But again, you know, there were some people who were a little resistant and said, you know, I think you're really out there. You know, <laughs> what, are, <laughs> what are video games really going to do for me? You know, that kind of thing. And you showed them, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, actually, I, I think we have. You know, and I've and and I've sort of continued with with this as we uh, in the you know since since we finished that research. So, you know, it's been it's been a very interesting road. It's been a very interesting road. What's on the horizon for you? Well, well, for me is I really like to get a multi-site study. I'd like to do, you know, you were mentioning that, you know, the the group was small, the N was small, yes. You know, and I would really like to get a multi-site study going where we could look at the short-term effects, and then maybe we can move into the long-term effects, because I've demonstrated, I think, that the short-term effects are, are huge, um, in my opinion. Uh, but I would like to get a multi-site study across the nation, maybe, where everybody gets involved, where a lot of people get involved, and we have, you know, 250, 300, 400 people, depending on, you know, what we can do and how we can do that. So, and and I do need to mention that this was funded by the National Parkinson's Foundation uh, out of Florida. Um, uh, so, you know, so for me, it was actually a privilege to be able to do the research. Which is a very innovative foundation. They do wonderful work yes, down there do. in the state of they Florida. I've heard uh, we've interviewed a number of people from Florida, and it's just mm-hmm. remarkable the kinds of developments that we're hearing about from various groups in the wonderful state of Florida. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it was interesting because when I presented it to them, you know, I'm an OT. I'm not a doc. Okay, I'm not a chemist. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna be able to find the pill that that fixes things. I'm not going to be able to develop the drug. But my job as an occupational therapist is to try and slow the progression down, but also keep people as independent as possible. And that's where I thought, you know, these things would go. And that's that's where I came up with that also, because, you know, I figured, well, you know, why not give it a shot? It doesn't hurt. And uh, thankfully, uh, the National Parkinson's Foundation was very supportive of that uh, with what we did, what I've been doing as far as that goes. People that might be interested in exploring this multiple site research idea need to get in touch with you. How do they do that? Yeah. Uh, my uh, my email is nherz h e r z at Georgia Health. Uh, two words together is one. Uh, dot edu. Or if you go to the Georgia Health Sciences website, uh, university website. Um, and you go to Allied Health and you go to OT, you can find me there uh, as far as that goes. And in terms of sites, you're open to sites that might be in Great Britain or France or Japan? Hey, I would love to have a global, I mean, I would love to have a global uh, uh, presence uh, with this. I've I've, uh, lectured over in uh, Canada, uh, uh, in Calgary, and up in Toronto, up in Toronto and uh, Ontario, that area. Uh, we actually, one of our papers was accepted as an abstract at the, in Paris for the world uh, uh, meeting for uh, Parkinson's or movement disorders. So, you know, we've been we've been out and about, but I would love, you know, I would love to, to do something internationally. The collaborators, it sounds like, would most likely be occupational therapist or physical therapist. Would that be correct? Yeah. Yeah, I would say somebody in rehab as far as that goes. It could be a physiatrist if they have a specific interest uh as far as that goes um my my team was primarily uh rehab coordinator neurologist myself and then i had also uh five student research assistants here those of you who are listening then who are seeing physical therapist or occupational therapist talk with them about contacting dr hers so that he can get the next phase of this remarkable research program underway and do this multiple site study. Dr. Hertz, is there anything that you'd want to make sure and say to listeners who currently experience the symptoms of Parkinson's that you would like to leave people with? The most important point of this whole conversation would be... Uh, well, the most important point is... 
you know, I, I talk to Parkinson's uh, patients all the time. I'm involved in a couple of support groups. And, you know, if I could put anything across to, to them is that, you know, you, you, shouldn't, you shouldn't limit yourself to what you can do because you have Parkinson's. You know, Parkinson's, you know, is going to give you, make some inconveniences happen and things like that. But there are so many things that you can do. You know, I go with the adage um, that uh, was on a nationally nationally televised commercial. You know, Parkinson's doesn't have you. You have Parkinson's. And you shouldn't let it dictate what you do and how you do things because there are people out there that can help you. There are, there are different things that are out there that, you know, you might be able to implement in your in your homes, uh, in your in your lives. To help uh, to help keep you independent and in doing the things that you need to do, you know. It's, and you know, the, we have the use it or lose it adage. Uh, as far as you know, you want to make sure that you're moving. You want to make sure that you're exercising and doing all of those different things uh, in order to maintain your independence and everything else. Uh, but there are people out there that can help you if you're looking for it. Dr. Hurst, thank you so much for being a guest on the Parkinson's Recovery Radio Show today. Anytime. I appreciate it. I'm Robert Rogers, your host of the Parkinson's Recovery Radio Show. Join us at the Parkinson's Recovery Summit in Santa Fe, New Mexico. I guarantee you that the trip will be well worth the time, the expense, the energy, and the effort. For information about the summit, you can go to the summit website where you'll hear clips of the 20 different presenters who will be talking about what they know helps reverse the symptoms of Parkinson's. That website is www.summit.com. Parkinson'sRecovery.com. You can also call our toll-free number. I'd be delighted to answer any and all of your questions. That number is 877-526-4646. Or, of course, you can always email me. That's Robert, my first name, R-O-B-E-R-T, at Parkinson'sRecovery.com. The main website for Parkinson's Recovery is just that. The name Parkinson's without an apostrophe combined together with the word recovery.com. P-A-R-K-I-N-S-O-N-S-R-E-C-O-V-E-R-Y dot C-O-M. That's where you'll see links to the many different services, support systems, and websites that we subsidize here through Parkinson's Recovery in Olympia, Washington. Come to the summit. I'd love to meet you, and again, I guarantee you, it will be a life-changing experience, especially if you're at the point where you're a bit discouraged. Let me also say some people are a little bit hesitant because they're wondering, can I make the trip? The answer is yes. The whole purpose is to come, to feel better, to get some healings, to get some new, fresh ideas, and to have a new initiative, a new launch on your travel down the road to recovery. And that is what's happening on the shores of the Puget Sound, where all the women are smart, all the men are handsome, and all the children are truly loved. Know that by virtue of the fact you are listening to this radio show today, that you are indeed on the road to recovery. May you have a magnificent week. Good day.